and welcome to the Select Sector Spider Sector Digest podcast for the week of June 5th, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Bayaki, ready to dig into all things sectors for the week ahead and look back at the week that was. And regardless of how you look at it, it was quite a week for the market. S&P 500 up 2.16% for the week, bringing the year-to-date gain to 11.53%. And the story was comprehensive. All 11 gig sectors positive for the week. Staples eked out a 25 basis point gain. So the worst performer this week was Staples. Still in the green. But it wasn't a rally led by the sectors that have been leading the market so far in 2023. In fact, XLK or technology was up just 1.3% or so. So it actually lagged the S&P 500. And the big performers, the big winners were XLRE up 3.14%, XLY consumer discretionary. That's in line with the year-to-date story up 3.3%. But you had materials up 3%. You had healthcare up 2.22%. You had financials up two and a quarter percent. And then you had industrials up 2.7% or so. So the makeup of the week's rally was different than what we've seen more recently. And of course, as I mentioned in my LinkedIn post, when we were recording last weekend, we didn't know that the debt deal was going to get done in a couple hours, rendering some of what we talked about moot. But Interestingly, the debt deal itself, when it was announced over the weekend and then leading into Monday's action, or I should say Tuesday's action because of the long weekend, we didn't see a massive jump in the market as a result of that news. If you look at futures activity, if you look at the general tape on on Tuesday, it wasn't reflective of some enthusiasm on that deal. And I think that's what we heard a lot about is that the market was effectively Baking in a deal getting done, the expectation, of course, was that we were going to avoid a default. We were going to avoid a protracted negotiation that was going to take us <clears throat> to a default. And that's exactly what the market got. Now, the flip side of that is that we had this really nice rally last week, up two plus percent on the S&P 500. And so certainly something, whether it was the combination of a dead deal getting done and some of the economic data coming through that led the market higher, it was clearly a rally that was more comprehensive in nature than what we've seen more recently. Remember, we've had weeks where the S&P 500 ekes out a gain, but it's largely due to XLK, XLC, and XLY doing well, and then the other sectors of the market not really participating. That wasn't the story this week. And when we look at the economic data this week, the data point that jumped out to me was the case Schiller print at the beginning of the week, because depending on how you look at it and what article you read, it was either a good print or a bad print. And, and what I mean by that is some of the headlines say housing prices rose once again in March. This was the March report, of course, up 0.4%. But what those headlines don't say is that that was the seasonally adjusted number, up 0.4%. So yes, housing prices did increase on a seasonally adjusted basis. But if you don't adjust on a seasonal basis, Housing prices were down 1.1% across the 20-city index. And that was the first drop since 2012 on a non-seasonally adjusted basis. So, again, you can look at this data in any number of ways. And Craig Lazara, who's the managing director at S&P Dow Jones, said this. The modest increases in home prices we saw a month ago accelerated in March 2023. 
Two months of increasing prices do not a definitive recovery make, but March's results suggest that the decline in home prices that began in June 2022 may have come to an end. Now, that flies in the face of the non-seasonally adjusted number. It certainly flies in the face of some of the pricing we've seen in some of these key markets like San Francisco. But clearly, there's optimism for the first time in some time in the housing market. And that's been one of the components of the economy that have certainly been giving investors and consumers pause. Building on that, because the housing market is so tied into the consumer, was consumer confidence. And that hit a six-month low. It was better than expected by a pretty wide margin. But nonetheless, it's at a six-month low. And within that, the expectations index, which is based on consumer short-term outlook for income, business, and labor market conditions, decreased slightly to 71.5 from 71.7. The expectations index has now remained below 80, the level associated with a recession within the next year, every month since February 2022, with the exception of a brief uptick in December 2022 course, holiday season. But punchline there is that, again, we've talked about it with the leading economic indicators index. We've talked about it with manufacturing ISMs, PMIs, etc. The punchline seems to be that a lot of the internal economic data within some of these economic data points and indexes is flashing recession. There's just no other way to say it. We just read that. That was straight from the consumer confidence index. And yet, here we are with the market up 11.5% year-to-date, S&P 500 up 2.16% for the week, and as I mentioned, a massive payrolls beat on Friday, 339,000 jobs versus 190,000 jobs expected. That is just a blowout number and ultimately reflective of a labor market that seems to be belying all of the other economic data and, as we saw within the expectations index, Concerns about the labor market and labor market conditions as well as income and business. And so ISM manufacturing and S&P manufacturing PMIs were both in line this week. We did see a nice jump in construction spending, but you look at the data this week and it's a muddled picture and confounds investors, continues to confound me. And it was a week in which we actually saw really robust growth. 717 million shares traded across the select sector spider lineup in just four days. That's a massive week of volume and activity, not a tremendous amount of creation and redemption activity. In fact, when you look at the lineup, just 2.7 million shares in net redemptions across the 11 sector spiders, 4.7 million shares more redeemed out of XLE, 6.3 million shares redeemed out of XLP or Staples, which is somewhat interesting because we saw nearly 3 million shares created in both healthcare and utilities or XLV and XLU. So maybe just some positioning within those defensive sectors. We saw over 2 million shares created in XLY and then some small creation activity in XLC, XLRE, and XLK. So not a lot to glean from this week from a relative positioning perspective on a creation or redemption basis over the rolling one-week period. But when you look at the relative performance of the various sectors and the fact that all 11 sectors were up in a week in which the S&P 500 was up, it's certainly a positive week for investors, specifically equity investors. And instead of doing a sector in focus this week, I just want to look back at the month because anytime we close a month like we did in May, we get some interesting data about 
positioning, about relative performance, about the weighting of the sector spiders versus the weighting in the S&P 500. And one of the stats that jumped out to me coming out of May was, first and foremost, the pretty significant increase we saw in shares in XLC, so 5.66% increase in shares in communication services, which seems to be following the, the really strong year that we've seen so far in communication services, one of the leadership sectors, as we've talked about. Financials, of course, was a big story, 76 million net shares out for the month alone. That's nearly 8% of all the shares in financials. We saw 20 million shares net out of energy. That's about 5% of the shares outstanding in XLE just for that month. And then we saw 3.4% increase in shares in healthcare and 3% increase in shares in utilities. And on the other defensive sector staples, we saw 1.36% decline in shares. So Again, some pretty interesting data points as it relates to relative creation and redemption activity. But what's also really interesting is just how net short people are XLF. So 73 million new shares shorted on XLF for the month. That's a 68% increase in the net short position on XLF. So again, this is a story at a share creation and share redemption level that we talk about a lot largely because it is such a big product and is used by so many different people. But the reality is that people disagree on the direction of the financial services sector. And when you look at that net short position, that massive redemption activity that we saw for the month, something has to give in in terms of relative performance. And going forward, the financial sector is going to be one that's closely watched. We also saw that there was a decline in short positions against XLK, a decline in short positions against XLC, an increase in short positions in real estate, all of them fairly muted, probably just some relative positioning, some offsetting of some other more sophisticated trades. But all in all, there was an increase of about 24% across the lineup in short interest percentage. And a lot of that, as we mentioned, was driven by the increase in XLF. Now, when you look at the relative weights of the select sector spider lineup compared to the S&P 500, this is interesting because it speaks to how people use the select sector spider lineup relative to how people are invested as a result of their allocations within the S&P 500. And just going down the line, the select sector spider lineup is actually Underweight, believe it or not, materials, overweight healthcare to the tune of 25% on a relative basis, overweight staples by 9% or so, underweight discretionary by 35%, overweight energy, despite all that redemption activity we talked about by roughly 250%. Again, energy is a sector that people like to invest in at the sector level instead of playing individual names. And XLE is the place that they typically go because it is the largest, most liquid energy ETF on the market, underweight financials, just slightly, just shy of 1%, underweight industrials by 35%, underweight technology by 27%, which speaks to the difference between the select sector spider investor base and the S&P 500. Because again, XLK is such a large weighting or technology is such a large weighting in the S&P 500. This isn't the de facto choice for people who play the tech sector within the S&P 500 or the tech sector writ large. And there's a number of reasons for that. We can dig into that in another day. And then 150% overweight to utilities, 
24% or so underweight to real estate and then a 38.8% underweight to communication services. So the takeaway there is that people who use sector spiders tend to use them in sectors that aren't necessarily the largest sectors in the market, comm services, technology being the two obvious ones, and then consumer discretionary being another. They do tend to use them as tactical positions, satellite positions, whatever it might be in some of the more tactical sectors of the market, some of the smaller sectors of the market, energy, defensives like staples, utilities, and healthcare. And that is something that we see on the ground level, engaging with advisors as well. So some interesting data on the month. Going forward, looking ahead to next week, pretty light week for economic data and earnings, so not much to talk about. We've got a big week coming up after it, of course, with CPI and PPI and then Fed decision, but we've got S&P services, PMI. We've got ISM services. Those are really the two data points to focus on this week. On the earnings front, not much. We get Campbell Soup once again, old favorite, cream of mushroom soup for those of you who still use it. But anyways, Thank you so much for tuning in. Please do visit the website if you want to learn more about the Select Sector Spider lineup. That website, of course, is sectorspiders.com. Tremendous amount of resources and intelligence for you. Ned Davis has a piece up this week focused on technology, which, of course, we talked about last week and has been a very popular sector for a number of reasons, not just this year, but going back quite some time. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone for joining me. My name is Paul Bayaki, Chief ETF Strategist at SSNC Alps Advisors. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. Take care. 